Brooklyn and staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? We are all blessed in Jesus' name, right? Amen, amen. And today, we are going to continue our journey through the Minor Prophets, landing in the book of Haggai. Haggai is one of the post-exilic prophets. Now, I know you're like, what is she talking about? Post-exilic meaning they came after the exile of the Jewish people. And I'm going to break that down for you. 
So we're going to do a recap because there's been a lot going on with these minor prophets, right? We've gone through a number of them already and we're almost done because there were 12 of them and we're getting down to the wire. So let's recap what actually happened to the Jewish people that made God start giving these messages to prophets to give to the people. So we begin with the Jewish people entering into the promised land after staying in the wilderness, right? And they were under the reign of King David, who then left his kingdom to his son Solomon. So now after the death of Solomon, the country was broken up into two. The northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And they never reunited again. So the Israelites in the north got taken over by the Assyrians because of their disobedience. Remember, we had God telling them, if you don't change your ways and come back to me and stop worshiping all those pagan gods, I'm going to have your enemies come in and take over you, which he did. And then because of their disobedience, when the people in Judah were looking at what happened to the people in the northern kingdom, they were like, oh, that's not going to happen to us. Remember, that's not going to happen to us because God is with us. And they had all their lofty houses in the mountains. And God is always with us because they were in Jerusalem. You know, they had the temple there. So they were like, God's not going to do that to us. And yes, he sent prophets to warn them, if you don't take care and come back into obedience, I'm going to have the same thing happen to you. And lo and behold, it did. The Babylonians took over Judah. So now the Babylonians had the Jewish people in captivity and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And this is where we are. After they destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they took the people They took the Jews and they took them back to Babylon with them. And then because Babylon was taking over so many different areas and, you know, conquering people, of course, everyone knows when you spread yourself too thin, there's going to be problems, right? So because they were kept going out and conquering all these different nations and people, they happened to conquer one called the Persians and the Persians became more powerful than the Babylonians, and they eventually took over everybody. So then it was the Persians that had everybody under control. But the Persians had a king called Cyrus, and he, knowing what the Babylonians had done, because his people was once under their rule as well, decided that everyone that had been captured by the Babylonians If they wanted to go back to their original land where they came from, they could go. Wasn't that nice of him? He's like, yeah, we're going to rule you, but you don't have to stay here with us for us to rule you. You can go back to where you originally came from, although you're still going to be under our rule, but you don't have to live here where we are. I thought that was kind of nice, right? So this is where we are in the story. It's that time. It's that time. It's Haggai's time where the people are have a choice to go back to the land where they were taken from 
And some of them did go. Not all of them. A lot of them still stayed where they were because I guess they had started establishing families and businesses and they're not going to just up and relocate. But there were some Jews that were like, I want to go back to the land that I originally was from. And this is where we are right now today. So I have a question for you. How many of us have a difficult time setting priorities and then following the priorities that we set. So Haggai, known as the prophet, we could call him the prophet that tried to get the people to understand their priorities. And the priority was rebuilding the temple of God. But that's not what the people wanted to do. They wanted to totally forget what they were told by God. So we're going to pick up Haggai from chapter 1, verse 2 to 9. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, says the people. Let me start all over. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but in, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Now, here we have a conversation. And you see, right right off from the beginning of the chapter, You have God telling Haggai to tell the people, why aren't you building up my temple? So you have to remember, these people were coming back into a land that they had been taken from for years. So just imagine, okay, this is a good example. For those of you who know Brooklyn, or I'm sure any new place that's up and coming now as well, because Places all over America, the landscape is changing. But for those, of you, for those of you who know Brooklyn, you can remember if you grew up in Brooklyn, you know what, or even if you grew up in Manhattan, you know what certain buildings were in certain spots because they had been there for years. They were there from when you went to school, became a teenager. Even as an adult, when you went to work, those same buildings were there. Now... 
when you look at the landscape of Manhattan and you look at the landscape of Brooklyn, if you had left, say you left when you became a young adult and went to work someplace else, and then now, 15 years later, 20 years later, you're coming back to the city. You would be looking at this place like, where am I? You would feel like you didn't fit in because you wouldn't understand what was going on around you. And the people that now live in the neighborhoods that you were accustomed to going to are no longer the same people. So you would also walk around and feel like, where is everybody? So this is what was going on when the exiled Jews were coming back into their city. They were met by new people that were inhabiting their city and had started establishing buildings and families. And so when these people came back wanting to rebuild the temple, the people that lived there they were like, we don't want you to rebuild that. Because, see, they never knew about a temple being there. When they were living there, the temple was destroyed. So to them, it was gone. So having these other people come back and wanting to rebuild a temple, they're like, what are you talking about? We don't want a building there. We don't want a building there. We don't want a temple there. What are you doing? So with all that back and forth, everybody just decided, well, okay, I'm just going to go and build my house and make my house comfortable for me. And this is where we have God opening up in the first chapter. He's like, hey, yo, wait. What is going on? Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your panel houses while my temple lies in ruins? Like, hello, people, what are you doing? This is exactly what God is asking them. And then he tells them, consider your ways. And then he breaks it down for them. You so much, meaning you're working hard every day, but you're bringing in little. You eat but you do not have enough. And look at us. We go to the grocery store now. We can buy food. We can make dinner. But every time you turn around, there's nothing in the cupboard. There's nothing in the refrigerator. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you're, you're not warm. And then he says, the one who, wor- who earns wages, it's like you're taking your money and you're putting it in a bag with holes. Because how many of you say you get your paycheck and then before you look around, where's my money? I I just got paid. I have no money. This is what God was telling them. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring down wood, build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. And he was telling them this because once again, Follow me, remember me first, and I will take care of everything else that you're looking for. So here we see Haggai challenging the people to look at what they're doing, forgetting the Lord and tending to their own affairs. So who does that sound like? That sounds like us today. Right? How many times have people, nations, forgotten about the Lord and done their own thing? Only to later realize 
that when you forget about God, he's going to forget about you. Where he said it. He told them right there, you're going to earn wages and you're going to put it in a bag and it's going to be like holes. And then he said, you're going to do all this stuff and I blew it away. Everything you were doing, everything you were trying to succeed, everything you put your hands to, I made it not happen. Because you forgot about me. So Haggai reminds the people in verse 6. And this, when I read it, this was a clear, as soon as I read it, what he was saying to them, I laughed because it reminded me of Matthew 6.33. Because here it was when I was saying how he said they sown much, they were eating, they didn't have enough, they was losing their wages. And it was because they hadn't put God first. But we see in the New Testament, Matthew 6.33, and it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. So as we've seen time and time again from the scriptures, the message that we have here in the New Testament, like Jesus said, he didn't come to change the law. He just came to fulfill the law, meaning everything that was spoken to mankind from the beginning still stands supreme. So if God was telling them through the prophets, look, you're not paying attention to what I'm telling you. This is what's going to happen to you if you don't follow what I'm saying. They don't follow what they're saying. God does what he says he's going to do. But Christ is, he's telling us, if you want things to go right in your life, seek the kingdom first. So if the people would have sought the Lord first, they would have had more than what they needed. Instead, they were lacking in so many areas of their lives because they decided to take the matters into their own hands. So I ask again, where do your priorities lie? The people were living unfulfilled lives. Are any of you suffering from a life that you feel is unfulfilled? Does it seem as though every time you take a step forward, you take two back? Check your priorities. Look at what God told them in verse 9. He told them, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. In other words, he was telling them, you wanted me to bless you. But you weren't thinking about anything that I wanted you to do. You just wanted to continue living your life the way you wanted to. But you still look to me for a blessing. But then the people did eventually get it. And we see this in verse 12. So as we go down to verse 12 of chapter 1, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozak, Jehozadak. I always get those names mixed up. Jehozadak, the high priest, 
with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. Now, how many times, and I'm chuckling because, how many times have we seen in the minor prophets that we've been going over, God gives a word to the prophet. The prophet gives a word. to No, let me start it from the beginning. Let me start how it actually begins. The people become disobedient. God gives a word to the prophet. The prophet gives the word to the people. The people say they understand and follow. And God tells them, I'm always with you. Isn't that the way it goes around in a circle? But see, the beauty of this is God is always with them. They just feel that God isn't with them because everything's not going perfect in their life. They feel that they should be able to do whatever they want to do and God still bless them. Who does that sound like? Doesn't that sound just like humans? Just let me do whatever I want to do, but still bless me, God. Why can't you still bless me even though I'm doing whatever I want to do? And something food for thought. When you're having an issue in your life, here's something to consider. Don't be so quick to blame, oh, it's the enemy enemy trying playing tricks on me is trying to keep me from getting what I'm supposed to have keep me from the blessings that God wants me to have sometimes that might very well be true but before we jump to it's the enemy it's the enemy how about we look at our own lives to see where we haven't been doing exactly what God wanted us to do and because it's a pattern We see it. It's a pattern. People want to do what they want to do, although they know what's the right thing to do. They know what they've been told to do, and they still want to do what they want to do. And then when they're not blessed, oh, it's the enemy trying to keep me from what I want. It's the enemy trying to keep God from getting to me. Just like remember when they'll say, this is people, oh, yeah, it's the enemy trying to keep. God from giving me the answer to my prayer. You know what happened with Daniel when Daniel was praying to the Lord and Michael had to fight to get through because the it, it's not always that. It's not always that type of scenario. Because see, Daniel, Daniel was obedient. So yeah, when his answer was held up, it was because, yes, the enemy did want to hold back the answer that God had given to Daniel for his prayers. But not everybody's a Daniel. So even though you can look at that story and say, oh yeah, that's probably what's happening with me. No, it's probably more so in the order of you not following what God said do. You not rebuilding that temple so he could have a place to dwell. It's probably more of that. 
Because if you remember from the other prophets that we went through, it was the same thing. God would tell them, do the right thing, or I'm going to have your enemies take you over. And the people saw exactly what God said he was going to do. He did it. But you would think, you would think that after, and this is just human nature, and it's something that we all struggle with, I'm sure, that we have things that we've done. We know if we continue to do certain things, we're going to get a result. And people always want to say, oh, that's the, that's the definition of insanity, to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That might be the definition of insanity, but to me, that's the definition of being human. Because how many of us will continue to do things knowing what the outcome is going to be, but we figure, oh, well, let me try it this way and maybe it'll do it, you know, it'll happen differently. Or maybe if I do it this way, God will still bless me. Because this is what the people were doing. And I wouldn't say that the people were insane, but they were just, okay, this is what I want to do. But because God knows I know him and I know God is, you know, God knows me, so he's going to bless me, so I should still be able to do what I want to do. That's not somebody that's insane. That's just someone who wants to be disobedient. And that's how we act sometime today. Right? So, sometimes it could just be your disobedience that is bringing the unrest in your life. And God has a way of keeping our priorities in order. Because you know when he does things that to get your attention, like what he did with them, they were working, they couldn't keep any money, they were buying food, they were still hungry. He told them, everything you're doing is not going to work until you do what I want you to do. So the same way he told them that back then, he tells us the same thing today. You don't follow what I say? This is what's going to happen. And I ask you once again, how many of you have your priorities in order? And with that, it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. We should never forget where all our blessings come from. Always remember Jesus. Miss Layla Hathaway and Mr. Ramsey Lewis. Yeah. 
Some acquire fortune, achieve fame. Some established value to their name, and then they change. Lord knows they change. Just like the lepers in the Bible days, who were blessed by the Lord and went on their way. Give honor where honor is due. Never 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say? Here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And of course, in today's Op-Ed, we're just going to continue with the, you know, with the book that we were talking about. But before we go into Op-Ed, let me give my musical, my musical, uh, the names of the songs and the names of the uh, singers. Of course, you know, we started out with Making Changes by Grace. And then I took it back old school. Don't Forget to Remember by Donna Lawrence, Layla Hathaway, and Ramsey Lewis. And then we had a new one from Lexi, Hallelujah, Amen. That's her latest one that she has out now. I hope you were all blessed by the music that I chose today. I thought it was quite fitting. Well, not that I chose. God usually always gives me. God gives me the music that goes with the that goes with what I'm talking about. The topic that goes with the topic. So now we're going to see how the Lord told the people to turn back and take care of the temple, right? He gave the word to Haggai to tell the people take care of that temple. God will take care of you. And then when they started working on the temple, they became discouraged that the temple didn't look like the one that Solomon had built. But God told Haggai to tell the people, be strong. God reminds them that he said he would always be with them. His spirit never left them. And that's what God said. God says that to us over and over and over and over throughout our lives. Be strong. I'm always with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always here. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 2. And it says, Who was left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, in a little while, I will shake the heaven and earth and the sea and dry land. And I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, said the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple 
shall be greater than the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I was reading from chapter 2, starting with verse 3. So, when we hear what God is saying to them, because, okay, we know back in chapter 1, Haggai told them, this is why all these things are happening to you because you haven't prioritized and you haven't done what God told you to do. Before you go take care of your own personal needs, you should take care of the temple, rebuild it. And then God told them, you know, go up to the mountain, bring that, bring those slacks of wood down that you want to use on your own house, use and build the temple. So the people said, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's just build this house back up again for the Lord so he can come and be among us and we can get blessed. But then... When they started building it, they were looking at it like, what is this? Because I'm sure they were hearing stories. Hmm. That temple doesn't look anything like what Solomon had there before. Girl, back in the day, you remember when? No, we might not have seen it, but you remember the stories that our mother used to tell us? How Solomon's temple was so luxurious and beautiful and all the gold and all the blah, 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 blah. And now the people that are rebuilding this new temple because God told them, rebuild my house. They're looking at it like, this is not what everybody used to talk about. They're not going to talk about this new temple that we built because it looks nothing like what Solomon built. But God had to remind them. Who was left among you that saw the temple when it was in its former glory? Come on, let's keep things in perspective. None of you know what the temple looked like back then. And then how do you see it now? In comparison with it, it's nothing in your eyes. But God was telling them, You're thinking it's nothing in your eyes, but be strong. I'm still here. I'm still with you. My spirit still remains among you. Don't fear. Don't fear. And then he tells them, I'm going to shake the earth, the sea, and the dry land. He's going to shake up the nations. And when God said he's going to shake up the nations, that's when he's going to change something. He's going to do something different. And then he says, I'm going to fill this temple with my glory. Then he reminds them, because yes, Solomon built that temple back in the day. Because, you know, Solomon was the wisest because he asked God for wisdom. And then Solomon was the richest. Solomon had so much money. That's where we get Ecclesiastes from because he had so much money. He was running all around the world, spending all his money, doing foolishness. That's why he wrote Ecclesiastes to tell you what happens when you get all this money and you act like a fool. This is what happens. But God is reminding them right now. Yes. With all the riches that Solomon has, who do you think gave it to him? Because God tells them the silver is mine. The gold is mine. 
the glory in this latter temple will be greater than the former temple. So God is telling the people because they're be, they're becoming so they're becoming like I, I I'm not going to say depressed, but they were feeling sad because they were like, oh okay, now that we're finally obeying God, but is this all we have to offer Him? But God is telling them, yeah, because this is what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to build a temple so that I can dwell in it. And don't keep thinking about what Solomon did back then because the money Solomon had to do it, it was mine. Who do you think Solomon got it from? So if the silver is mine and the gold is mine, that means I could bring the money to this temple as well. But my glory that I'm going to fill this temple with is going to be greater than the other temple because think about it and this is almost like God was giving them a foresight of what was to come because in the old temple that Solomon built Christ wasn't Christ wasn't there but in this new temple that's built Christ is going to come And the place, and in this place, I will give peace. And what did Jesus say when he left? Peace I leave unto you. So God was telling them, don't just keep dwelling on what was before because what have you heard and trust me, I've always been with you. Be strong. I've never left you. And I'm going to do bigger and better things with this new temple than what they saw with the old. So here, in the final verses, Haggai reminds the people what life was like when they were disobedient to the Lord. And we start with verse 10. And this, and this is, in this book, this is one thing I want you guys to see. When you read it, he gives them dates. So you know exactly when things are taking place. In Haggai, everything was like on the 24th day of the ninth month. So you know the ninth month is September. So he's talking about September 24th, according to our, what we do with our calendar. But all throughout Haggai, when you read it, you'll see that he gives them specific dates of when things happen. So in here, you could actually see like, oh, wow, they did that on that day. Whereas the other ones, you just, okay, they did this in a certain period of time. But here, there's a specific date. So here it is on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. So even if you didn't, if we have like, we'll say the 20, we would say the 24th of September 2013. But here they're saying in the second year of Darius. So if you know when Darius was reigning back then when you read the the, the the scrolls, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that year. You would know exactly what they were talking about. The word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus said the Lord of hope, the Lord of hosts. Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the in the fold of his garment, and with the ed- <laughs> with the edges he touches bread or stew, wine or or oil, or any food, will it become holy? And the priest says, no. 
And then Haggai says, if one who is unclean because he touches a dead body or any of these, will it become, will it become unclean? And the priest says, it shall be unclean. And then Haggai said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. So God, so Haggai was telling the people, just like when you touch holy food and you touch something else, does it make that whatever else you touched holy? And the priest said, no. But when you touch something that's unclean and you touch something else, does that make it unclean? And the priest said, yes. So Haggai was reminding the people, just because we're in a holy land, because they built the temple, they came back to where the original temple was in Jerusalem, doesn't mean that we're now holy people. We're in a holy land, but that doesn't mean that we're holy. We're still walking around doing things unclean. So what are you, what are you guys doing? Well, what are you actually doing? To be holy, you have to work at being holy. Don't just think, oh, we built the temple, so, oh, it's, we're all holy now because we built the temple and God said he was with us. No, that doesn't make you holy because you built the temple. Haggai is telling the people now, now that you've built the temple and the word of the Lord has come to you, now you still have to change your ways. And in those days, the, the Lord was constantly reminding the people to do the right thing, obey his word. So just like today, when Christ came, and of course you see from back then, the people had a hard time doing it, just like we have a hard time now. But the difference is we have Christ here with us now. Whereas he came, he shed his blood, he paid the price. Back then, they had to do sacrifices. The prophets had to go to the priests and do this, this, that, and the other, tell the people, and then the people had to bring sacrifices. We already have our sacrifice. Christ came and died for all. So with that, when the people were disobedient back in the day, God would do whatever he was going to do to them after he told them. But today when we're disobedient, right, God doesn't come down and smite us with brimstone or have our enemies take us over and conquer us. What he does is he removes his presence so that we just live out whatever it is we're looking for. Think about it. We removed Christ's prayer from schools. We took down the words of that we used to have in the courthouses off the money, and look at, look at all the chaos. Look at all the chaos that has come because we've removed God from so many parts of our lives that he was a part of before. So just like back then when the people were disobedient and they had to pay the price, today in our disobedience, how are we paying the price? And that ends up ed. I want to go to our word of the month because our word of the month is seditious and inciting and causing people to rebel against the authority of the state or monarch. And our promise for this week is going to come from Haggai chapter two, verse nine. The glory of this temple. Let me start all over again. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, 
I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And I want all of us to hold on to that for this week. The latter temple, which you could even be yourself, because we see in the New Testament how our body is our temple, right? So if you're becoming a new creature in Christ, your former temple was one thing. But the glory that's going to come from your new temple is going to be so much more greater. And there's going to be peace within. So I want us to hold on to that promise for this week. I want everyone to have a blessed week. Enjoy. Take care of one another. Take care of yourself. And until God brings us back together again, peace. Oh,
Nothing like the way you make me feel. Oh. Turn from 